when a paper is published, taken up and forms part of policy, you can then say, well, what happens? Has this policy had any effect? And, and some of the papers this afternoon were suggesting that the answer to that is no. But one implication of that is that it's all, it is sort of fitting the model of experiments. So, cases in point. Well, we've got obesity foresight, which um, maybe has had an impact on Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver has had some sort of impact on, on um, government policy, which is the process of being wound up, apparently. And so, again, they're kind of linking up to um, things that Stanley and Karen were saying this morning. Um, then, another very interesting, the Photoshop law, um, which I think has actually been passed in Israel. Um, Stanley is doing some stuff in Denmark, which we can ask him about later. Um, but there is real issues about scaling, which I hope the papers that follow me will demonstrate that there are uh, now of tools available which um, allow us to address. And there's two quite different sorts of issues at play. One is the classic sort of Chinese whisper, where, um, as we had, uh, again, was referred to earlier, things like the so-called fat gene get transformed, distorted, or some might say beyond recognition in the process of transmission. That's one sort of um, transformation that occurs, um, which is different from what I call wistful, uh, willful mis misinterpretation, which might be the effects of lobbyists um, such as those paid by big food. Now, one of the things that I find so intriguing about um, data mining tools is that they actually give us handles to follow the chain of transmission and to do it across time. So um, some of the papers we had this morning kind of were diachronic in the sense that they contrasted different decades, but it's actually, I think there's a lot to be gained from the detailed study of how the messages transform over time. And of course, as soon as you start going into the detail, there's a real, real problem of how do you scale up. LexisNexis, I have no idea, Nexus now, uh, how many millions of items there are in it. If you start doing any sort of um, keyword search, you're going to get more hits than you can deal with. And again, text mining has promises uh, of some tools which enable you um, to approach. So one case in point, which I am quite fond of, is came out of um, a collaborative international program of research called Digging Into Data. And it really started with the, the thing that Google Books has digitized many, many, many more books than any individual can read in a lifetime. 
So what does that do? What, how can you deal, conceptually perhaps, with things which cannot ever be eyeballed, cannot ever be read by a human reader? And one solution is the engram viewer, which allows you in books NB, not in articles, not in the media newspapers, let alone in blogs, it allows you to look at how um, particular phrases or words have changed. Why is that so horribly out of focus, I wonder? Just tell us what it is. Okay, what that doesn't really matter. All you need to do is see a blue line and a uh, red line. That is showing blue is obesity and red is anorexia from 1950 to 1995. And in published books in English. The Engram Viewer allows you to select various different languages. It's something like five or six. Um, you can actually select between um, versions, of, um, versions of English. And you can see, well, anorexia, obesity, they're quite in, in sync. Um, there's more references to obesity than anorexia. So, but, um, maybe not very interesting until you get to here. That's bringing it up to 2008, and we can have some interesting discussion about what happened around 2000. My own hunch is that actually the decline, the relative decline in anorexia is from about um, the mid-90s, and my hunch, and I haven't tested this, but I, this is the whole point. The tools like this provide interesting hypotheses for which cry out further exploration. And again, there are ways of exploring them. I think it's to do with Diana introducing the word bulimia into public consciousness, as it were, replacing some, uh, some of the frequency of anorexia. So, um, yeah, some interesting tools that are available here. Right, we've heard a lot this morning and early this afternoon about, in a sense, one form of media studies, looking at print, mainly print media and its modern analogues, um, and that somebody was actually doing some broadcast stuff. But what we haven't really talked about yet are reception studies what the audiences make of them. I mean, there was actually, of course, an obvious exception is um, some of Anna's work. Um, what the audience make of the messages, how, what, not only how they understand it, but what they do. Well, one way of studying that is to be very hard-nosed and look at sales of products, consumption of diets, medical care, the other, which is, um, there's all sorts of interesting stuff going on there. What might be, what fits this um, workshop more is my second category, which is looking at blogging and social media. And my suggestion is that we can use exactly the same tools that we are using on print media for blogs. And that the combinations, and again, we've seen some examples of this, today, that it's the combinations 
of what happens in the print media, the um, sorts of um, ways in which the messages are being um, delivered there, and how they are then taken up in blogs, in the comments on online newspapers, in Facebook and in, on YouTube, that really will allow us to have a far better understanding of how people are seeing things. And so, I suppose this is an argument for scaling up media studies, taking um, data mining to be a general term which includes quantitative measures, we're not going to talk about text mining, which is the, uh, the headline we use, but also, as Stanley mentioned this morning, we've got to also um, think about images. There is an interesting study to be done and, um, about how, and again, we had examples of this um, in kind of the inspirational stuff this morning how images are being transmitted is now studyable. There are tools that do image recognition and actually it's being driven by people checking copyright. But those very tools can be used to trace networks of how an image has been taken from a particular newspaper, put into the blogs, picked up and retransmitted. And that gives you um, then you can start doing network analysis on those sorts, uh, on those networks of transmission, which gives you the ability to scale up. And you know, as soon as your ends are, well, I mean, I put a million there, but I mean, as soon as you're into the tens or hundreds of thousands, you've got real problems about because you can never read it. So there's all the classic database issues about precision and recall come in. Um, and we've also had allusions in various other talks today about problems with keywords. So if people aren't using words like obesity, are there tricks, as it were, well, I want to use a far more positive word than that. Can we overcome the, the problems posed by crude keyword searching? to actually pick up discussions of similar themes using different languages. And there we've got, um, by looking for, I've used the word collocation there, um, clustering of related words is a way, and again, you can measure clustering in a whole, there's a range of different mathematical techniques for doing this, um, which, give these tools teeth. Um, so what I think we've also been hearing today quite a lot of the, the word entanglement, what I see text mining as offering um, is tools in which we can disentangle some of the complexity and to do it in a sensitive fashion. And to more than that, better than that, to do it dynamically so we can begin to um, reveal networks of influence and how they work. And one case in, case in point which came to me um, during this morning, actually, was to try and think about the epidemiology 
of a thing like the Atkins diet, just a case in point and something that was very popular and is now far less popular. It actually fits the, the paradigm of, of epidemiology rather nicely. And we heard um, reference to um, the media impact study of the FDO factory also earlier. Um, so, looking to the future, there's different sorts of transmission types, different sorts of issues at play. Different, one bit of science affects another bit of science. Other bits of science affect policy. Policies affect other policies, so-called joined-up government, and contentiously it's absent. And then publics affect policy. I mean, Jamie Oliver, again, is a case in point that he was able to have some impact on policy because he, via his television programmes, he was able to uh, put enough pressure on government to change school meal policy. I think I've got that the right way around. Um, and then publics affecting publics through things like blogs. And the one thing I don't think has been mentioned at all today, really, is how publics affect science. Um, and the whole category of citizen science. Again, it, can, it might come back to issues about um, acceptance, actually. And, but, you know, uh, and, um, uh, was it, what was the phrase, fat but healthy? Um, you know, that, that those, are, again, all I'm saying is that the, the sorts of tools that are available um, will enable us give us ways to take these categories of transmission and actually um, look into them in some, with rigour. So uh, as a way which allows us perhaps to um, addressing whoever it was who has been asking questions about what do we actually do. Well, okay, here's a radical idea. Rather than um, simply be passively analysing in conjunction with passively analysing, take the analysis and use it to design an experiment, as it were. So do some science and as well as just writing a uh, press release, actually um, do far more work than is normal in science and use exactly the techniques that I've been discussing which um, as uh, applying to the passive study of what goes on to exploit all the potentials of these networked connections to, and then in five years time we can come back and look and see, well, does actually trying to manage the media message have any effect? It might well be that it doesn't. I'm quite open to that because, I mean, as people have been saying, there are wider issues that might make any one intervention ineffective. Um, the other thing which I would say about uh, public interventions, I was just talking over coffee about it, is, uh, this is an, again an answer, I suppose, to, to Stanley's question about, um, point about McDonald Games is that there are, um, there's the Serious Games Institute who are actually developing, as it were, counter games to the McDonald ones. And I'll stop there. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.